Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up, truth speakers and light seekers? You are listening to The Know, and I am your host, Nikki Spo. What up, what up? Okay, so today I have the privilege of hosting Asha Walker, who is a holistic health coach and the founder and CEO of Health in the Hood, a not-for-profit organization working to end food insecurity through urban farming and wellness. A Miami native, Asha is a theater kid turned nonprofit executive with a passion for food justice, sustainability, and whole person wellness. She founded Health in the Hood in 2013 after a decade-long career in nonprofit program operations and community engagement. She organically combined her love of community work and wellness to create Health in the Hood. She has spent the last 10 years leading her team to feed and educate thousands of food insecure families. The health in the hood method is simple. Plant gardens, nourish families, strengthen communities, and harvest health. Asha launched Asha Walker Wellness, a curated holistic wellness platform in 2020. From meditation and healthy recipes to self-care and gut health, Asha Walker Wellness is a one-stop shop for building healthy habits, and I can't wait to talk about all of those with you today. Let's get started. So, Asha, I like <laughs> I am like a religious prepper. Like I prep for everything, Same. and I'm just yeah, but for you, you're special <laughs> because I feel like so genuinely like curious about everything that you do that like, I was like, I don't need to like think about questions. I didn't just have the questions. Like some people I have to like really plan. Like I have to really, I'm like, okay, like what am I going to pull out of them? That's going to make this interesting. I'm just like, there's, it's impossible for you to not be interesting. So (laughs) that's the best compliment I think I've ever received. Thank you so much. (laughs) So properly. Asha, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm like having a fangirl moment right now. I'm like completely fascinated by you and like, wish I could do what you do, like, but in another life, like not in my life, but like if I had another life, you know, it turns out I'm an incredibly like loving and loyal person towards most other humans, but I'm a terrible terrible plant mom. I like kill all my plants. Um, Well, you have to learn how to garden by killing stuff. So don't, don't rule it out as a, as a career. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing that we don't learn how to parent that way. Different kind of seed planting. Yeah. I will say like when I had my first son, I romanticized having this little garden. I was like, I'm going to build a box and I'm going to like put the dirt in it. And I like, I could grow vegetables and yeah, like that never happened. Um, I don't even like cooking. So I was like, like, what am I even going to do with these vegetables? Well, I have an Um, idea for you. I'm going to send you, we have at home grow kits that can literally go on your kitchen counter. The kids can do it themselves. It's so easy. And that might inspire you to put a box in the backyard. So it's all fixable. (laughs) Get you some food growing. Also, I like, I'm really like the type of person who's like, I need results. It's like working out, right? Like it's hard to get into like a workout routine when 
you like haven't been working out for a while because yep. like it takes a long time to see the change or like eating healthy, right? You're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I'm trying not to eat so much dessert, right? But then like you start cutting dessert, right? You start mm-hmm. cutting dessert out of your life for a bit and you're like, oh, this feels good. I'm not so like craving sugar all the time and I'm not so yeah. hyped up all the time and like whatever, but it takes a while because like we're sometimes we're not motivated until we see like the fruits of our labor and the results true. happening. So true. And I feel like that with planting. So somebody, if you give me a plant, I will let the plant die. Like, okay, I have another tip for you then. Seed, and I tend to the seed and I watch it grow. I'm like, holy shit, I helped it grow. I didn't kill it. And I'll even give you another one up. We'll get you seedlings, which are like, you know, little baby plants. So you're not starting okay. with the seed. It's like got a couple weeks of growth on it. So it like puts you ahead of the game even before you even get to reap the fruits of your I labor. So like we're getting you like set up. For the seedling. I feel like no, I No, we're totally going to get you set up. I'm going to get you something that like, you can't kill. Like a green bean you like actually can't kill. When I was in kindergarten, okay, when I was in kindergarten, I we did a class project. I'll never forget. We grew a lima bean yep. stock or whatever like in a two-liter bottle, yep. right? That's like what we did. And from then on, I loved lima beans. Like who even likes lima beans? Like barely anybody likes lima beans. But if you plant it and you connect with it. I loved it. And this core memory is made. And that's exactly what we do. I mean, you you can't give a kid a seed and have him plant a green bean and have him just be like, oh, I don't, I'm not connected to that. There is an inherent innate connection to creating something, giving life to something, having it nourish you back. It's very cyclical. So it makes total sense that lima beans are your favorite. My kids don't, well, my my younger son eats vegetables, but my older son is just like, yeah, I don't like vegetables. I'm like, here, try this. It's like, I don't eat vegetables. Like, he'll just tell me that. Like a sneak them in, like a sneak attack. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to, no, no, we're not sneaking. I'm not going to, well, I do sneak them in, but the key is going to be planting something with him that he can grow and be like, oh, this is really cool. Like even yeah. if it's we start with we'll figure we'll figure it out. But this leads me to believe that this is something that you're doing with Health in the Hood. So tell me, yes. tell us about Health in the Hood because it's so amazing what you're doing. Thanks, thanks, Nikki. So we are, I think, doing one of the most fun projects that you could possibly do. So we go into what are considered food desert communities where um, the neighborhoods are typically considered underserved and are disconnected from like a fully stocked grocery store. So there's no Whole Foods, there's no Trader Joe's. There's several like bodegas and like glorified gas stations, lots of preservative filled foods, nothing that is fresh for the most part. Um, And so we'll go in and we'll convert these large pieces of land Mm -hmm. into these vibrant vegetable gardens. We hire residents from the neighborhood to maintain them. Um, We teach nutrition, fitness, urban farming classes for kids, how to grow your own green beans and take it home and put it in your own garden or in your own kitchen garden. And it's um, this beautiful way to close this gap in our food system that we are all now sort of waking up to. Like, no longer are we like eating red dye number 40 and not thinking about it. And so gardening is an extension of that where we are really getting back to our roots and creating these local food ecosystems that are empowering communities, educating communities. And it's just like the most fun thing ever. My privilege is not lost on me. Like I grew up in a like a working class neighborhood. I had a Publix. I had like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think Whole Foods was a thing when I was like growing up, but like mm-hmm. I didn't ever not have access to healthy yeah. options. Yeah. Like the life that I live now, I can afford all of the healthy mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. You know when I, mean? I plant a bunch of arugula in a garden and I tell my kids, my neighborhood kids, do you know how much that would cost at Whole Foods? You've got 
$100 worth of arugula in your garden that is for you to have and to nourish your body, it's like a light bulb goes off. And they, yeah. you know, people tell you money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, it does. It grows in your backyard. And you can be a farmer and you can grow your own food. You can make a career out of it. We've just been told the opposite. So it's just shifting that mindset. And same, I grew up with Publix and, and right next to neighborhoods that are food insecure and didn't really know that that existed. It's kind of like this hidden hungry issue that we know people are, you know, if they're impoverished, but food insecure where you can access food, but not nutritionally dense food is mm. sort of this like story that's not really being told as much as so it should tell be. The story. Tell the story about that. Like for, cause yeah. I, listen, I am confident. Like if I were to do a survey of like what my listener, who my listeners are, yeah. I'm guessing that the majority of them are very similar to, to me because you know what, Asha, I serve of like a younger version of me for the most part. Right. Like I, my, my goal is to empower a woman who, who was once me who needed to be empowered, right. Or to the, learn the lessons that I needed to learn, you know? And so, but with that said, like, let's talk about what that even means because I don't fully know what that means. Yeah. So this is the example that I think is really kind of palpable. If you go into a food desert, you're going to find shelves of chef Boyardee. It costs a dollar. If you are a working mom, you are on government benefits, you don't have a car, and the nearest box of spinach costs $5.99 and is in three neighborhoods over, you're not going to take a metro rail, a bus, leave your kid. It's just not an option to get that fresh food. It's not an option. And so there's also the component that if you don't know, you can't do better. So... If you are having access to things that you don't know are full of preservatives and sodium and sugar and increasing inflammation and increasing chronic disease, you're just going to keep doing it. And so it's, it's this really simple shift that, you know, there is a lot of money that goes into big food companies, advertising to kids, making these products readily available and cheap. It's all intentionally done and strategically done to be marketed to folks that really should be having healthier options. And so it's this little shift of like waking up and being like, oh, wait, I really should and could access better food. And I deserve it in my backyard. I can grow it myself. And it's really getting back to our roots. Victory Gardens were not that long ago, but that was how, you know, a huge percentage of the country had our food. And we just, you know, as soon as crops started being subsidized by the government and corn and wheat were able to make tons of junk food that people started to consume, there you go. The cycle was created. And until we start to break it, it's going to keep happening. But I'm really happy that, you know, the pandemic was sort of a, a, a silver lining of it was that it woke up a lot of people and shed a light on this population of food insecurity that um, has existed forever. But the pandemic really just exacerbated it. And so it's uh, there's a real shift happening, I, I feel. Have you ever seen the movie Fed Up? I'm sure oh, you've yeah. seen like all the documentaries. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I was a seventh grade teacher for five years and in an inner city middle school where like yeah you gave kids backpacks of food to go home with like on the weekends, you know? And we watched, I taught the the film Fed Up. Like it was like part of the curriculum that we we talked about and it was just so eye opening, you know? And we did this like program where we got to brainstorm, like the students got to like go into these small groups and brainstorm ways to create better, healthier options in the school system. The, the obstacles that are in the way are just so hard to jump over to create the opportunities and the availability for these children, especially who rely so heavily on the school system um, for their meals with free and reduced lunch, with free breakfasts, with free lunch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, 
Yeah. I mean, then you can go to back to Michelle Obama's initiative to change school lunches. And even on that level, she struggled to get that done and made great progress, but we're still trying to move the needle on that. So there's just big systems and big, you know, government that we have to, um, battle against, but work with and commune with and use as a key player and partner with so that we can make these changes. Um, I do think it's possible. I think in the last 10 years of seeing how people respond to this kind of work and this opportunity is, it's undeniable. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is the solution. I've been saying it for 10 years, like the future of food is local. This is how we shift things. There should be a local community garden on every street corner, whether it's a food desert or not. Um, when I go to the Hamptons, sometimes I get so mad because there are these, every corner is another beautiful farmer's market and gorgeous fresh produce. And it's like, but this should be in Liberty City. <laughs> why are we, right. why are we so kind of backwards in that way? I, but, Asha, I have to tell you that I've never even seen one in Miami. Our farmer's markets are pretty sad. They're pretty sad. And that's really sad because we are I'm frowning. farming For state. anybody who's not, who's only listening, I'm frowning. We're both frowning. It's sad. I mean, Florida is, a, we, we got, we do a lot of things right. And we have a lot of work to do in a lot of areas. And we are in Miami of Homestead. There's so much farming opportunities, but right. there's such a disconnect between, and there's some great work being done. Food banks that connect with local farmers there. It's, there is great work being done, but it's not scaled to the capacity it should be or could be. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a, it is a tricky one, but the solutions are there. I think it's just being creative and, and biting off a little bit at a time. I think we think we have mm -hmm. to like, change everything and chain and fix it all in one shot. It's overwhelming. Yeah. But chipping away is also progress and it's also wins. It's moving the needle. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's good to not get discouraged by, by biting off too much. Just take a little piece. Right. We've got nine farms, but I really want 900 farms and we'll get there. So, okay. So you have nine farms here. Yeah. Where was your first farm? First time was a uh, farm was in Liberty city. Uh, and Miami Gardens. We kind of wrote two grants at once and got them both back in 2013 and gave us access to do two different plots of land. Um, and we work with amazing community partners. So all of our land is donated, um, oh, which, makes, which makes it great for our budget. Our donors are like, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was uh, in Liberty City. And um, we work with Miami Children's Initiative, YWCA, Overtown Youth Center, churches, municipalities, really all of the key players you need to have at the table. Because we're not coming in to like save a community. We're coming in to create sustainable practices and tools, create a garden, and then bounce to the next neighborhood so that we've created a local sustainable food ecosystem and we can go create that again in the next neighborhood. Well, also, you mentioned that you're hiring local people. Yeah. Right? So, so you're creating jobs. Exactly. And you're teaching yeah. the next generation, which I think is so important. So, like, when I talk about my kids and like my children, of, who have so much privilege don't want to eat vegetables, but I know for a fact that if they grow this vegetable themselves, they are more likely to eat it. We're now teaching these kids in these inner city neighborhoods and these food insecure neighborhoods that they can do this and it's sustainable. You said something about like you could grow all this arugula and you could literally sell it. Like you think about the flip side of what else they could be selling, what other plants they could be selling, right? And how this is the other option. This is an, another way. And another one that's gonna, you're going to love are microgreens. So they take less than a week to grow. They are most of the time even more nutrient dense than a full-blown plant. Because think about it, the bigger the plant gets, the more energy and nutrients get dispersed and diluted. So microgreens 
are like, you literally cannot mess them up. So that would be a great place for you to start. But it's also where we uh, start our, <laughs> our, our programs for, um, we have a new program this year we're launching called the Young Farmers Program. So we hire residents, but now we're creating a curriculum and a criteria and a certification program. So people will leave working for us with a resume building skill and be able to go out and plant and go to Nikki's house and plant a garden for her and go maintain it once a month. That's what I want. Kids. I'm like, who can I hire to, to, yeah. to, to yeah. come over and, there and are like, teach few, me the things? There's a few great firms out there that do it right now. There's Little River Cooperative. I mean, there's some great companies that do it, but why not have it also be, you know, folks that are working on our team that could absolutely do the same kind of work and build yeah, it into awesome. a, just a successful business. We got you and I, we can do some big shit together. I'm telling you, I feel Listen, it. Yeah. I feel it too. I really feel it too. Like I'm, yeah. I'm so geeked about this conversation. So how did this, how did this come to, to be like, did you, you became a holistic food coach or health coach before? No, right? that that, was that was, no, that was literally this year. That was this year. Yeah. That was, that, that was totally new. Yeah. I mean, I've always been that, right? Like I yeah, got certified right. this sure. year, have my, have my certificate. And it really was just, it kind of just really crystallized what I already lived and knew and did and created a whole other community. I did the Integrative Institute for Nutrition. It's yeah. life-changing. It's such I, a I, program. I'm I, I mean, it just is everyone that I love and follow and love their mm -hmm. advice and things they make and the way they live are usually IIN coaches and have done the program. So it was a real game changer. And it also helped to really influence Health in the Hood's work. So we have a pretty robust wellness curriculum at Health in the Hood. And so everything I learned at IIN really is now trickling over and applying and influencing and informing our wellness curriculum. So, you know, exercise obstacle courses and real versus processed food and container gardening is all stuff we've done, but now it's really amplified and even more kind of holistically grounded. So it's just, just a total game changer. I, I loved it. So how do you get kids? Involved. We are very intentional about uh, two things. One, having community partners in every neighborhood. So again, whether it's a church, a school, a principal, a pastor, uh, a community leader, we are always tapped into what's going on on the ground and we build that trust. And then all the gardens are located in residential communities. So, you know, you can put a garden, you know, on a street corner, but if no one lives there, it's not going to get visited. So they are literally in people's backyards. You open your door. I mean, there's no less than 25 homes around any one of our farms, usually a lot more. So like after school, kids are all out running around and the parents are like, you're going to take my kids for half an hour? Bye. So and you're going to teach them how to grow some food? See ya. And they're in the backyard. So, you know, it's what, what, what we used to do before there were kids were on their phones all the time. We would play out in the backyard. I climbed trees and did tree houses. So it's like, we're like an extra out of school, after school activity. You don't even need to bus kids in because they're already no. there in those neighborhoods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We work in schools. We work next to schools. Yeah. We'll be, Do we have, have done that. Schools? We have one at uh, Charles Drew Elementary. And we've got a, uh, one at Miami uh, in Liberty City. Uh -huh. And then we have one at Miami Norland High School. Mm -hmm. um, but when I tell you our list of sites that we would love to be planting gardens at, they're all budget you know, allocated. So when we get another grant, we can do that garden, get another grant, get yeah. that garden. We have a laundry list of schools and you know, my goal would really be to be partnered with a Flippany or a Teach for America where you have a Teach for America program, it comes to the farm. So school gardens oh are- Oh my just, gosh. Right? Right? Like, like that's incredible. I mean, we're not there I, yet, I, but I like we are. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting I just there. got chills thinking about that, Asha. Like I seriously got chills. It's such an easy shift and we're working on a national expansion right now. Chicago is our first city outside of Miami. We're so excited. We're fundraising for that now. We're working with the Obama Foundation to do gardens on the south side of Chicago. So kids that you know live in cold other climates are going to get introduced to frost gardening, microgreen gardening, vertical farming, Holy hydroponic. Shit. Hold on. 
hold on frost gardening. Yeah. Yeah. You can grow stuff. Yeah. I'm going to send you my, my girlfriend. Um, Raish is this beautiful gardener and she's in the Northeast and she grows the most gorgeous greens in the frost. Like, so it's, it's opening up that mindset that like, I live someplace cold. I can't grow fresh food. Like you absolutely can. You got a countertop and a hydroponic light. Yeah, you absolutely can. This is your baby, yeah. right? It's my like baby with an incredible team of, we have 17 people. We just brought on two more program managers, which like my nervous system is like finally chilling out because somebody is helping with the day to day. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to like, it, I, I, not that I have been, but like when I look at our budget, like I've been doing five people's jobs for like the last 10 years. So we're finally at a place where I'm like, okay, this is not sustainable. And I've got to be able to focus on, you know, asking Amazon for $5 million and building us out to be a national model and not like invoicing the lawnmower guy who like forgot to send the thing. Like I just, so we're, we, we're there because I was about to lose my shit that we didn't get there. You ask Amazon for $5 million? Um, we did. We did. We could use, it? we could use 10. So hopefully that we're, they're looking at their 2023 budgets. We've got some amazing corporate partners. We couldn't do this without our amazing team, our community partners. We've got corporate partners. We work with Denny's and Amazon and Whole Foods and Triscuit and Sweetgreen and World Central Kitchen. So we just have had this, the Miami Heat, you guys are amazing. Yeah. We just have had a really, really great time with corporate partners who have helped us make this thing grow, literally. You know- that makes me so happy. And you know, Asha, like I've obviously like you've been on my radar for a while because of the heat, because of the relationship mm-hmm. that that Health in the Hood and you have mm-hmm. with us at the Miami Heat. And mm-hmm. I sit on the board of the Miami Heat Charitable Fund. So obviously like I've I've known of you, right? But it seriously, like it wasn't till the day that I like I was just flipping through Miami Mag. Oh shit, that's Asha. Like I know who she is. Like, let me hit her up. Yeah. Like I'm so you glad you did on my mind and like been somewhere in, in the ether with me where I was like, you know what, this is amazing. So, and I don't think, I think from what I understand, that wasn't your first feature either. No, we had a, a full, like a, like a spread. I literally have it framed. I'm such a nerd, but they did a beautiful no, I have piece mine on us. Too. I will show yeah. you right now. I have mine framed too. I'm like, I did that. Somebody reached out and was like, do you want this framed? I was like, um, absolutely. Yes, I do. So it's on my yeah, mantle. You need to have that gotta have that but yeah they did a beautiful feature on us and like as a miami hometown girl i mean is there any better honor than one being supported by the miami heat which i have to always say, went to the first heat game ever i am the biggest heat fan ever yeah and miami magazine to be supported by miami true and true organizations just like lights me up and when i got your message this morning that morning i don't know what was happier like getting a message from you seeing that the article was finally out like it was just it was just you, you hadn't experience. seen the article yet you were the first. You're the first person I saw it. Yay! That makes me so happy. I was like, Nikki saw it, and she thought it was special enough to tell me. It was. It was. It was beautiful. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. You know, let me tell you a little bit about who I was once and who I am now, although I don't feel the need to overexplain who I am now. So, you know, like the me of yesteryear, 
like especially before I got sober, but even like even more before that, like in my early twenties, I was like the biggest hater ever. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, like, and mm-hmm. that came from a deep place of insecurity, sure. right? Like I wanted to be something and I didn't feel like I was worthy of becoming whatever that was. And I didn't feel like I could ever attain it. And so I was the biggest hater. Like if I saw somebody, another woman like succeeding, I was like, not about it. When I did some, like a lot of my healing work, I came to realize that 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 all stemmed from a deep sense of like longing, right? Like I really wanted to like prove it to myself that I could become something. And half the battle, as I'm sure you know, with starting uh, like an organization like Health in the Hood is like you actually just have to to jump in. It's like you just have to like start it. But through that journey, like I feel like I've become so much more confident in who I am as an individual that like I genuinely – I see other women – succeeding and it makes me so happy. Like it makes me so happy. I like, I literally like I, and this isn't, you're very special, right? Like, but like I saw all of you ladies featured. And if I just knew who they were, I sent them the picture. I was like, I see you, I see you, I see you. And I wanted, I want women to know that like they are seen by other women. Like I'm so tired of, and I think the two thousands, I don't know how old you are, but like, I like, I'm th- I'm 35 and so I like grew up in the 2000s where like poor Britney got run run through the mud like on the internet. Everybody like everybody's lives was like a gossip thing and like yeah. women were pinned against women left and right and I feel like that's really we're taking a we're we're making a huge shift in that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Like you see a Thank lot goodness. of a lot more women. I know. Like we we see a lot more women like sticking together and standing up for each other and like fixing another woman's crown, like even when they didn't know it was crooked, you know, Mm -hmm. like that type of stuff. And it's just, it's really so beautiful. Yeah. Um, Yeah, We have to stick together. I think again, like you said, it's a shift. People are waking up around so many things and like the patriarchy is about done. Like when we don't stick together, they're not going to do it for us. So I could have a whole conversation with you about the patriarchy and we can go there. I'm totally down because like, I'm, I'm totally open to where the, wherever this conversation goes. Yeah. Um, because I just know that you're such a light, but the patriarchy is really, you know, and I like to always note that the toxic patriarchy does not include all men. No, right. I not. think men like, and it's so easy for a, a man listening to be like, feel attacked. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not necessarily my responsibility to like, to help them cope with that. Like they need to uh-huh. do their own work, uh-huh. but just to, to touch on it, it's like, it's not all men that are part of the toxic patriarchy. However, so many young boys and men are victims of the toxic patriarchy themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I read this book called raising boys and it was a horrific book. But when I, when I found out I was pregnant with, with my son, the first time I read this book, raising boys, and it talks about how toxic patriarchy really does a huge disservice and damages so many young boys that grow up to become damaged young men, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when women, when people hear women talking about the patriarchy, it's so easy to be like, Oh, there's another angry woman. But really it's not about just the women. It's about everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about everybody. It's, it's humanness. Like it's, we're, we're so divided right now as a country, as a world, like, can we just come back to our humanness a little bit? Women support men, men support women, women support women, men support men. Like, where all these lines are drawn in the sand, it's just like, we're all made up of the same DNA, we're the same cells. Like, 
just coming back to our humanness, I think is, is to me where we can make that progress. It's not, you did something to me and I did something to you and we're defensive. And yeah, cause I'm sure any man listening was like, she's angry and she hates men. <laughs> you know? I definitely right. don't. I definitely and it's, don't. it's like, that's the whole thing, right? It's yeah. like, and, and we actually really do need men to step up and and be part of the voice mm-hmm. against toxic patriarchy because when yeah. more men stand up, like yeah. people will listen. Like that yeah. is, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like some, like what you're doing with Health in the Hood is really full circle because you are really teaching humanness. Yeah. Yeah. I, you like, know, I love in, that there's a quote like Earth. there's so much symbol symbol symbolism in this. Also, it's so it's so cyclical. It's so cyclical, and like I started meditating like four years ago now, and added it into the health in the hood curriculum. And there's this school of thought that you could literally wipe out violence in one generation if you had every kid meditate. It's so simple. Like we, we overcomplicate everything and it might not cure every single one, but imagine the shift if every little boy and every little girl was cool with taking the deep breath and creating space in between their reactions and have that skill as a kid that then is just evolves as they grow up. Like I only learned how to meditate at 35. Like then thank God. Cause I don't think I'd be where I am at 38 if I didn't learn how to meditate. So tell me about Asha Walker wellness. So, you know, as, as health in the hood grew, our platform did, and I had all these opportunities to speak about sustainability and wellness and what we do. So I did a TEDx talk. I was on CBS this morning and I just, I didn't know that we need to watch it. We're going to link it. We're going to link it in the show notes. Yes. And it was just like, I kept having this opportunity to share what we do. And that kind of just evolved into like, well, how did it start? And what's your story? And so I was kind of like, begrudgingly pulled into it. Like also rewind. I was a theater, I was a theater kid. So like, it wasn't such a far deviation, but I haven't done that in so long. But it was like, okay, I've got this platform. I've got this really, I think, powerful message that can really shift people's mindsets. And there's a connection point to me. So I got to get out of my own way and, you know, let that imposter syndrome just cool out. And the only way to do that is to just do it, just just jump in. And so that's really how Asha Walker Wellness was born. It started as a website I built myself, like maybe like seven years ago. And that really evolved and then we launched it with, um, you know, some more content and recipes and nutrition and fitness and whole wellness. Um, and then the next chapter is my app that I'm building now. So that oh gosh, is incredible. That is coming in 2024. So specifically, what services are you do you provide with, with yeah. Asha Walker Wellness? So right now, it's just a wellness platform. So it's recipes. A lot of it is on my social media as well. So nutrition. I posted this morning ginger shots. Just like little reminders and pains. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I probably have some inflammation somewhere. Maybe I should take a ginger shot. So it's just like mm-hmm. being that constant voice. I call it like having a health coach in your pocket. Um, and so the app is really an extension of that. Like literally it will be a health coach in your pocket. So it's yeah. definitely a process. It's definitely a process, but I feel really, um, certain and called and, um, supported by the universe. Sounds woo woo, but I feel no. very supported by the universe to, uh, to make it happen. Um, and everything I put my mind to so far has happened. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's on the way it's, uh, it's called cured. And the tagline is you are the cure. Cause we're like, doctors give you a million pills and like think that that's the cure. And like, same as everything. And if you're healthy, you can take as many gut boosting supplements as you want. But if you're not managing your stress, getting good sleep, having good relationships, having your creative outlet, there's so many facets of, of holistic and, and, uh, you know, whole person wellness that, uh, cure just felt like 
yeah, we have to tap into the different ways that that word is, is used and kind of shift the thoughts around what a cure really is because I love that you're the cure. So when you talk about whole person wellness, you know, you, I'm you're doing this with the children and the people that you work with through health mm-hmm. in the hood already. Mm-hmm. And I'm from what we've spoken about so far, it's like this whole person wellness isn't even something that's on their radar. Like, yeah, no, you're teaching this from the ground up. So uh-huh. talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, there's like this innate connection. And so our wellness curriculum is not complicated. I will go in with baskets of plastic food of like grapes and French fries and have kids put in the bucket that says real food, the grapes and the basket that says processed food, the French fries. And we'll talk about why the French fries are processed and why the grapes are not. So like really basic stuff that opens people's mindsets up. And it's really, it only takes that one kind of crack in the, in the armor to have people start thinking differently. And, and then it's kind of like a ripple effect and like a, um, you know, rainfall effect. People will sort of just sort of adopt these healthier habits. And if you continue to provide them in fun, attainable, sustainable ways, you know, and it always helps to have dollar store prizes. I've never gone into a workshop. Now we have a lot more staff members that help us with our workshops. But originally I would go into YWCA with a basket of dollar store prizes and kids are like, I'll listen to anything you want me to say. <laughs> if you're just going to get an airplane helicopter. But it's a great tactic because not only they want the helicopter, but they end up being more excited about the green beans and the real food they get to play with. So we have a fun game. And for every, we'll bring like all this beautiful cut up fruit and food and vegetables. And for every vegetable that a kid can name, they get to get take two of those pieces and add it to their food tower. So whoever gets the largest food tower wins. So it's just making it incentivized and competitive. We did a um, um, healthy um, snack competition. So for every family that sent us 10 pictures of their healthy snacks, we'd give them a blender. So it's just like creating these like you know, touch points and we're always coming back, always making it easier. That's how we've done it with Health in the Hood. That's how it'll be for cured. So it's just like, again, having that health coach, that that motivation, that little like, mm, you can do it. You can take the stairs, you know? It's funny because I did um I did an episode called Why You Should Give Your Kids an Allowance, right? And um I touched on extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. And so like in a perfect world, I think, yeah, it'd be great to be intrinsically motivated to do everything, right? Like, yes, I want to be like intrinsically motivated all the time. But the reality is that like that's not how human minds work. Like we really need not. some external motivation, yeah. you know, especially children. So I gave the example of how like I was, I give my kids an allowance for doing chores in the house. I was getting so fed up because they're like, they break a toy and, and they're like, well, just the Amazon truck will bring one, (laughs) right? The Amazon truck is coming tomorrow, right? It comes every day, right? So like I might've given them this external motivational like reason to do something, Mm -hmm. but the core of it, right? Like your families will get a blender or they'll get, they'll get the prize from the dollar store. Fine. But like what they're really like, to your point, they're receiving the lesson yeah. that comes with the toy. Yeah. Yeah. And who That's cares what it took to get to that lesson? A thousand percent. My parents are educators and they ran a, a, an at-risk, high-risk kids school, a high school, like 118 kids, you know, kids that were like, you know, truant and not going to school and fighting. And everything was incentive-based. You come to school, yes. we'll take you on a trip. You get good grades, we'll give you an iPad. Like, it was always incentive-based. And I got an allowance, so I just, I don't think there's anything that's, uh, my allowance for going to the gym is that I feel good after. So we're, right. you, you're Today, getting, right. like, we're as, getting as adults, prizes. Right. Yeah, you're always getting a prize. That's right. right. There's always a prize. There, there, there like is a prize. prize. I like a prize. Totally. Absolutely. So what is it, what is next for you? 
So, so many exciting things. Health in the Hood is really sort of evolving into its next chapter. We're calling it Health in the Hood 2.0. So these programs that we've already like had, you know, hiring residents are now evolving into the Young Farmers Program. I talked about earlier where we're creating criteria and um, uh, certification programs for people that come through our program. Certification programs. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that's, that's awesome. All right. And that's like the one piece. We've got our grow kit system. I'm going to send you guys a set. Um, you know, having those be a more national model, we're applying to have about 5,000 of those in the next um, three years is our current ask at Amazon. Um, and they're just these really cool at home, uh, like mason jar growing kits that you can grow mm-hmm. inside on your countertop. And then you can transplant them to a garden outside. If they get too big. You can keep it inside. So it's a whole kind of micro system of growing at home. Um, we are nationally expanding. So we're looking at three cities in the next five years. if We hit that $5 million fundraising goal. Um, and then the Health in the Hood app. So we're literally building apps on every end, but the Health in the Hood app is really the next chapter of how we create um, you know, a, co- a cohesive um, system. And we've got gardens in Chicago and gardens in Florida. And so wherever you are, you should know what's growing in the Health in the Hood garden. You can call onto your app. If you come to the farm, we'll know how many families are taking how much food. We know how much we give away by how much we grow and give away, but we'll really get much better data and metrics on family stories and who's taking what. All the wellness programs will be online. Um, we are launching. We've... Video editing is just like the bane of my existence. We have these beautiful, high-quality videos we've shot with meditating with kids, cooking with kids, all these beautiful videos that are coming out very soon. They're the last round of editing. Um, and that'll be for our virtual wellness platform. So we'll have a full monthly wellness calendar where we'll refer people out to go watch Nikki's podcast on Wednesday and then come and watch our video on Thursday. And so we're yeah. having a, a home, creating a more virtual mm-hmm. home for people. And so I want to close with getting locals involved in what yeah. you're doing because you know the accessibility component is really important to me you know i like being a miami girl myself like i take great pride in our city like i've i have like a, i'm not wearing it right this moment but i have like i literally have a chain that says 305 like i'm like ride or die 305 i need one <laughs> i need one like, i grew up in kendall like i just me i too. love oh my gosh kendall girls <laughs> yes so i just i love our city so much and so like i have matters respect for everything that you're doing in our beautiful city. And I love that you're from here and like you are truly invested and like your parents were invested and it's just like really, truly, it's so obvious that it's part of who you are. So I want other locals, but not just the locals, but like all of the transplants that come to Miami and have fallen in love with our beautiful city to Mm -hmm. get involved. So how, what are the options? Because I know that there's like really base level, basic things that Mm -hmm. your everyday person can do to help support you. And then there's also like the bigger tier possibilities for corporate partnerships, et cetera. So walk us through how people at every level can get involved. Yeah. I think it's one of the most beautiful parts of our programming is that is that that does exist so if you want to come get your hands dirty we've got volunteer opportunities in the farms pretty much twice a week at least once a week but sometimes twice a week um if you want to get your hands dirty and get your muscles flexed you can come help us at our uh, food drive so when covid hit we didn't talk about this but when covid hit we launched um, a large-scale food distribution program and so we feed about 500 families a week with food from feeding south florida and farm share So, um, unboxing truckloads of food. I I feel like like back in COVID, I remember like board meetings with the heat that we were talking about these things. You you guys were a big part of how we, how we launched it and continued it. It was only supposed to be a three month program. And now three years later, we're still, we've become this really sort of reliable source of food. So that's another great volunteer opportunity. So gardening, food distribution, great ways to get your hands dirty. Um, 
Another really cool way is through our wellness programs. So we've got people that come in. We've got gua sha skincare experts that will come and teach classes for our moms. We've got yoga instructors that will come and teach yoga in the garden, fitness instructors, nutritionists, dietitians. So that's another way to use your uh, mental assets as well. Yeah. To, to, um, to meet our communities and to partner. Um, and then, of course, financial contributions. So green beans cost money. It's sustainable. But soil is expensive. And our amazing team is just so dedicated and works their asses off. And they, you know, we pay what we can, but everyone should yeah. get more. We don't have benefits. I mean, our team is so dedicated that they are working. We don't, we just can't afford health insurance right now. We're a team of 17. And so that's why the 5 million is really important from Amazon, but it's really just, um, it's supporting all of our operations and all of our stuff goes to pretty much direct services, either our staff or to actually buying the things that it makes to make these programs work. So um, and we, t- we don't say no to anything, $5 or $500,000. We, we need it all. You know, Asha, I think about this a lot because I've, I've done the scope of, um, working in the community, right? Like I've done the volunteering, getting my hands dirty, volunteering, not getting my hands dirty, volunteering, giving out the things. I've was a teacher in the inner city middle school. That was a paid job though. It was a, a very low paying job, but it was a job. You know, I coached the dance team, which I think you get paid a thousand dollars for the entire year for like the amount of hours that you put in to like really mentor young people, you know? And I've like in more recent years, you know, in addition to like working hands on the, in the community, I've been able to make financial contributions to different programs. And one of the things that I've learned, especially being on, on a board like the Miami Heat Charitable Fund, which is like, it's, there's such a beautiful organization and the work that they do and they, like the, the amount of people that they help and serve is amazing. But one of the things that I've been able to learn from being a part of that is like, learning where the money goes, like, right. So if I'm going to give X amount of dollars to a not-for-profit, like learning where that goes and something that I've seen and I've really appreciated with companies that I've had opportunities to sit one-on-one with is seeing that they have a pie wedge, a wedge of the pie of the pie chart that is for salaries. Because I think there's a misconception, especially, I don't want to be like so So targeting among the affluent that like, it just happens out of thin air. Donate their time yeah, for crazy. nothing, right? It's, it's like it's really crazy. Teacher, and it, we have the same attitude towards teachers a lot of the times too. Well, they're teachers, like they knew what they were signing up for. But like, we should make sure that that like that like hedge fund guys make sure they get their bonuses. But people who are feeding people, I mean, when I t- if you knew what I made, my salary for the work that I do, mm-hmm. and my team, what they get paid, it's it's so it's it's really really frustrating. I'm so glad you said that because it is. We have, and we have a fully itemized budget. You can see exactly how much we spend on every piece of pest control, irrigation, and everything is. But there is, I mean, it, it, that people don't want the to South pay Park people is important. for the work. Well, how right. the, do you think it's going to happen if we don't pay people to do the right. work? So yes, it's a not-for-profit. We're not profiting, right? Like I think that there's just a misconception on how that that runs, you know. But like this is your Wild. life's work, Asha. Right? Yeah. Like this is your life's work and you're doing something so beautiful for humankind, for our local community, like it would be insane for you not to receive a salary. It would be insane for your employees not to receive a salary. It does. I don't understand why that, why our jobs are less valued or thought that like they should be done for free or just, yeah, there's a total misconception of what what nonprofit means. Nonprofit means that we're not out selling things to make profit, but we have to eat and live how, how do you think people live how, how do they show up to work like they think these programs just like fall out of thin air like and if i wasn't as privileged as i am i this health and the hope would not exist i mean my my husband is the main breadwinner and my little salary supports what i need but we're not like 
I'm very lucky that I get to do this work because I literally, what I should be making is like 10 times what I make. And so, you know, it's, it's really wild. And just one, you know, anecdote that's just wild is when I was starting Asha Walker Wellness, I had some donors that really took some time to like come on board. They did not like that. And I'm not making any money from Asha Walker Wellness. It's also a passion project. The goal is to eventually make money from Asha Walker Wellness. Yeah. But, but there is this bizarre concept, concept that like if I had done Asha Walker Wellness first and then started a not-for-profit, I'd be like, oh, what a hero. But if you have a not-for-profit and then you want to also make you some make money, money, you're like a villain. Like It, it, it rubs people the wrong way. And I'm like, I'm uh, sorry. I've it. been doing this for 10 years, busting my ass, writing grants until midnight all the time, never not working. I deserve to be comfortable and to have whatever I need. So, so it's been a, it's been a, everybody's on board now, but we definitely had to get some of our older donors to come on board. We were like, no, no, it's okay. We can do both. Asha, I've loved talking to you. Like, I'm just so excited to connect with you out in like the real world. And like, I want to learn about farming. I'm excited to not kill my plants with your help (laughs) and get my kids eating vegetables with your help. I love it. We're game. I love chatting with you today. Too. And I'm glad we just too. got to bring this conversation to you know to my audience and hopefully me yours. Too. Thank you awesome. so much for having me. My I'll send pleasure. you a text. We can hang out. Yes. Okay. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code the No Glow for twenty five dollars off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self love. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams.